Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hi, Chelsea. How's it going? It's hot and I want to die. It is really hot. It's also humid. Is it humid over there? It's a bit drier over here than I think it is where you are. Okay, because I was out yesterday and I was like dying actively as opposed to the normal passive death. I was just like, why is it so humid? I can feel the air on my body. Yeah, it's um well, I'm holed up inside the apartment because the heat the cuz the dry heat is really bad for me for my allergies. Like I'm having problems breathing and it sucks. Oh, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry, friend. <sighs> but yeah, um I pretty much only go outside to water my plants. So I'm like, well, the the upside of uh already being quarantined <laughs> is that I shouldn't be going outside anyway for other reasons. Well, there you go. It all works out. It all works out. So I just have the air on. And I am in my comfy clothes. I got my hair cut last week, which I realize is something you shouldn't do, but I, I had to. I was dying. You, you were weak. I was weak, yeah. You were weak. There, it was literally, uh, Mal was like, you need to just get your fucking hair cut. When there was a day, I think I was like 20 minutes into attempting to brush my hair, and I was like near tears because I could not fucking get the brush through it. You know what Savannah did? What? Savannah put her hair in a ponytail and just cut it off herself. I almost did that. Because, yeah, I know she did. I'm just I saying. Almost I know. I almost did that. Um, but I really love my hairdresser, hairdresser and she did a really good job. It's now above my shoulders and I am much happier from from mid back to above my shoulders. It's a huge fucking difference. I can't pull it back in a ponytail anymore, which is fine because I have all these really fucking cute headbands that I've been wearing instead. It's also like the the hair salon I go to is within walking distance of my apartment and they are being really fucking careful. She she and I just bitched about people not taking it seriously for like an hour. It was it was also cathartic. <laughs> well, all right. Welcome, everyone, to Colts, Cryptids and Chelsea's hair, where yep. Chelsea is just going to talk about her hair for the next roughly hour and a half. I don't think I could do that. I feel like I don't know. I feel like you could riff. I feel like you could. Bam. Yeah. That's a challenge. I feel like if we if we put a timer on the clock and you knew you had an hour and a half that you had to fill with talk about your hair, I feel like you could do it. Or at least I, th- I think yeah, okay. I could do it. Yeah, because so. both of us have done lots of stuff with our hair. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. And just like the hair talk in general. But that's not actually the topic of today's podcast. Before no. you shut it off, that's that was facetious. Facetious. You can Words. talk. Can I? Words are hard. Words are difficult. So I'm just going to sit back and not say a bit as Chelsea goes into our first mini segment of today's episode. The first mini segment of today's episode is the Bummersville Sometimes, where we talk about the ongoing pandemic and also the police violence crisis. So first of all, on to the pandemic. Walt Disney World opened? Yeah, like it shouldn't have. No, Walt no. Disney World opened the same day that Florida broke its own record for coronavirus cases. Which is a very way, Florida mood. U.S. is at three million now. Or yeah. over 3 million now. 3 million reported. 3 million reported. 133,000 dead reported. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not good. Every, a lot of states are on a on a positive trending status, which is not good. You nope. want to be on a negative trending status. It's like golf. The lower the number, the better. Yeah. Uh, including us here in Los Angeles, where, again, just not fucking going outside. Mal is at work right now, but they've been talking at work about how they might have to shut down retail stores again soon. That doesn't so. surprise me if that is the case. It doesn't. But speaking of uh, I, as someone who works in the entertainment industry and is not working nearly as much as I would like to right now, uh, also all of my comrades who are also in the entertainment industry and in the in customer service and everything, like everything, all of that. Would really appreciate it if you out there who live in the United States would contact your representatives about signing the HEROES Act and extending the $600 extra uh, for unemployment and also extending unemployment through to the end of the year because at the end of this month, we're all going to be super fucked. Are they seriously still saying that they're not going to continue it? Because, like, Mm -hmm. that's the dumbest thing. Like, everyone's still going to be stuck in their homes. Places are still, people are closing shops again. Like, we're not ready to go back. Yeah, McConnell refuses to sign it. Uh, he keeps giving, you know, billions of dollars to his friends that ha- already have millions and billions. But the average American is totally fucked right now. Eat the um, rich. Evictions. Uh, one in three Americans did not pay either their rent or their own mortgage last month. And so you can imagine how that's going to look next month when the unemployment benefits stop. Mm-hmm. Not, great. not great. So, yeah, if uh, you live in the United States, please, for the love of everything uh sign those petitions and pray for me i have some job interviews but it's just like i'm i'm very lucky that my industry is all from home right now but there's so many people out there who aren't and it's so fucking stupid the reason they're doing this is because they don't want people on unemployment they they literally would rather people die than yeah. help no they've they've said as much yeah the the republicans are a death cult and they can go fuck themselves also i have a lot of uh family who are teachers so you can imagine just the anger that is within my family circle right now and how much all of them wish could wish to strangle Betsy DeVos. Just I don't think that that <laughs> is a new feeling, though, for them. No, it's yeah. not. But it's definitely even more amplified right now because I, I mean, I have family members who would be at risk, who are at, an at risk population and they're teachers. And it's like uh, they can't go back to school like mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah it's a shitty situation all around that's coronavirus as far as the protests are going there has been another uh we had like a very 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 short period of time when police violence was really in the spotlight and unfortunately 
things have kind of shifted, but people are still getting shot and killed by police. Yeah, the media attention on the protests has dwindled because as things usually do, the longer something is in the attention of the media, the less they sort of focus on it because they want to get the hot new thing. They don't want to be saying the same stories over and over again. So if the if the protests have been going on for a long time, the media is like, well, that's boring now. We're not going to talk about it. I do want to give some, like, to some members of the media, I actually would like to give some credit respect and credit to members of the media because it I, I think some of it is that definitely with a lot of places but a lot of it is also coronavirus is killing so many people on a daily basis there's so much like coronavirus is killing so many people trump decided to pardon or not pardon commute the sentence of roger stone and Mueller is coming out saying like no this man's a fucking traitor there like there's so much happening it's hard I would like to counter that with the concept that we live in a world where there is, in fact, a 24-hour news cycle. There is plenty of time in the day to cover all of the topics that are happening. I did say I'm only giving credit to some members of the media, not all. Sure. (laughs) There are plenty of hours in the day to talk about the police brutality that protesters against police brutality are suffering. There Mm -hmm. is plenty of time in the day to talk about how the coronavirus is still rampaging through countries, including the U.S., especially the U.S., and how our numbers of death are rising. There's plenty Mm -hmm. of time in the day to talk about the toxic, horrific rhetoric that is coming out of our government, both about violence against Black people and other people of color, and about how apparently wearing a mask is something that's, like, going to kill you faster now, they say. No. It's not. Also, uh, the who the who now says the virus is airborne, right? So that's fun. But also, our president says that they're not listening to any kind of, you know, CDC or WHO or anything like that. Well, the president wants to pull out of pull out funding of the who by next year, and hopefully by November that will be a moot point. Ideally, ideally, again, not super stoked on having to vote for Biden, but the alternative is literal death. Yeah, like, at this point, I would rather vote for someone who has said nothing this whole time than someone who has actively been saying, like, let's kill everyone. To his credit, he hasn't said nothing. Some of the things he said aren't good, but he hasn't said nothing. (laughs) He is in favor of extending the unemployment benefits, so there's that. But unfortunately, he has no power over that right now. (sighs) So it's just a Democrat position which passes in the House but doesn't end up passing in the Senate. And that's our problem. So uh, make sure to donate to your local Senate race because fuck Mitch McConnell, who's in a dead heat against Amy McGrath right now. Donate to Amy McGrath. She wasn't my first choice, but also she's not Mitch McConnell. That's that's her slogan. (laughs) That's that. I mean, that's that's a good slogan. I'm not not Mitch Mitch McConnell. McConnell. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else in the Bummersville sometimes, Chelsea? No, I think that's it. There is another topic that we will bring up. Uh, (laughs) There's a couple topics that we'll bring up during the course of our correspondence. And that is a wonderful way to segue into the rest of the podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Cults, Cryptids, and Conspiracies. This is the real intro this time, where I tell you that this podcast is generally about things that are considered mysterious, interesting, historically weird, contemporarily weird, Basically, if they don't want you to know about it or you don't usually learn it in a like a history class or if it's just kind of dumb. Yeah. We talk about it. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's just like cryptid stuff. Today's not fun. Today's not fun. 
So the first thing on uh, our correspondence is actually something that I'd like to, I'd like you to to talk about. Actually, so in irony of ironies, in a <laughs> perfect display of man's hubris, in absolute karmic justice, Jair Bolsonaro has been confirmed to have COVID nineteen. And trending in Brazil is go COVID. <laughs> Jair Bolsonaro recently who came into the political spotlight because he was at several anti-lockdown rallies standing on top of cars and screaming about how there should be a military coup, much like the dictatorship that used to rule over Brazil, mm -hmm. has gotten COVID-19. I'm not saying normally that I wish for the speedy, swift, and terrible death of someone from disease, but like, dude had it coming. So here we are. Yeah. So it didn't it didn't get Boris Johnson, but maybe it'll get Bolsonaro. Maybe. He does, as the president of Brazil, have access to like the best doctors in Brazil. Mm -hmm. So he's most definitely gonna get excellent medical care. But, you know, sometimes that's not enough, and God we can only hope. Crossing our fingers for Trump next. Let's see if it makes its way up. So thank Trump you. Trump and Pence. Thank you at Settle Chaos for sending us that, though it had been going around Twitter for a while. Also, many other people sent it to us. Yeah. <laughs> Including East of the Fox, who also would like to send us a hug because they're re-listening to old episodes. So thank oh, you. Ghost hug. You can't feel it, but it's there. Yeah. Very sweet. Kino the Meme Lord, as usual, is spamming us with all the good memes. I want to shout out one specifically because I enjoyed it a lot, which was peasants in 2020. All we know is to bake bread, avoid plague, and revolt. And I'm all out of bread. It doesn't actually say that, but that's what I'm thinking. That's your that's your vibe? That's my vibe. At ArtsyCat13 says that they are listening to episode 162 and the mysterious disappearances remind them of a short story, Death by Landscape by Margaret Atwood. There's actually like a whole thing going around on Twitter right now. And I think it started on Tumblr, actually, where people are like, hey, what's the creepiest short story you know of? And that was one of them. And I don't know if I want to read any of them. That would be cool. That would be fun. They're terrifying. At Fauna Prince sends us a pretty funny meme. I don't have a tinfoil hat. I have a steel hat, so jet fuel can't melt it. Yep. Thank you, Fauna. Uh, apparently, Brazil or Bolsonaro is saying that he's recovering from COVID-19 due to taking hydroxychloroquine. Sure. Sure. Sure he is. Which there reminds me, actually, there's a there's a whole thing going around on uh, the interwebs from the uh, QAnon and alt-right people that they say they have a prescription bottle that has Barack Obama's name on it for hydroxychloroquine. What? And one, it's fake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One, it's fake. The bottle is fake. But two, even if it wasn't fake, it's actually. So what they did is they just photoshopped Barack's name on there mm -hmm. because it says that it's hydroxychloroquine and it, that it's prescribed for malaria. The bottle says it's prescribed for malaria. Right. It's not prescribed Which is its for intended COVID. use. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's fake. If your uh, alt-right family members are passing that around, that's totally obviously photoshopped. Anyway. At, at East of the Fox sends us uh, an article that's going into another controversy that's happening right now with Wizards of the Coast. Yep. There is a freelancer who quit due to hostile work environment and wrote sort of a post describing how because they were a person of color, they felt that they were kind of being marginalized and like very much treated like they were a diversity hire where their work mm -hmm. didn't actually matter or wasn't actually being considered. 
And that is like a bad thing that that yeah. sheds a light to a toxic work environment at Wizards of the Coast that does need to change. And that yeah, there's also an article that basically says the same thing about Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. Not only that, but they also com- committed their they, employee at Cards Against Humanity. They got the employee who was complaining about their t- their work environment committed into a mental asylum. Yeah. Which is uh, crazy. That's yeah. an insane thing. Like, I, I, again, me saying that it's crazy and insane to have somebody committed, it sounds like. It is an absolutely un- immoral and unethical thing to do. They literally had him committed because they said that he had delusions of being discriminated against. Right. Which is, in, yeah. Insane. I, yeah. Again, me saying that, it's just, it doesn't make sense to me, is no. what I mean to no. say. It's absolutely Bonkers. unimaginable. Yeah. Uh, the the situation with wizards, there's been a lot of controversy about that, and it's still evolving. There's been like yeah. people who've said that they worked there, and that is very much the work environment there. There has been some other like controversies, quote unquote, surrounding mm-hmm. that. I don't really know a lot of the details of it. I looked into it, but I've mostly been seeing people's like rhetoric about it versus what actually happened. Which is an unfortunate thing about social media is that, like, if you see a hashtag trending and you follow it, you mostly see people's angry reactions about something as yeah, opposed really to annoying. what actually happened that they're reacting to. I I constantly see these, like, and these happen all the time, and I wish there was a way to just block them where it's, like, blank is canceled or whatever. And I mm-hmm. click on it to be, like, did something happen? And it's just a bunch of either uh, K-pop fan cams, which I promised myself I'm not going to complain about anymore because of what they are also doing to all the like white lives matter and blue lives matter tags and also like all that but also just a bunch of people being like how dare you try to cancel this person and i'm just like but what What what's going on yeah why yeah my mom thinks i'd be a great carnival barker i feel like that's after uh previous previous patreon ad az5 yeah yeah yeah. we have more tweets of memes from kino but kino also says so Wayfair is now trending on Twitter for sex tracking, for okay. a sex trafficking conspiracy theory. Several people sent us this being like, okay. can't wait for you guys to weigh in on this. Yeah, okay. So let's, I, I, let's get into this. Let's get into this. Because I, I decided, I was like, fuck it. Yep, we're going we're gonna to go gonna there. We're going to talk about this. Chelsea and I, I am delighted to find, both of us looked into this completely separately without coordinating each, with each other at all. Because as soon as yeah. I saw these tweets, I'm like, what is this about? And we looked and into it. And I did it. the same thing. Yeah. So if you have other information that you would like to to give, go ahead. But I'm going to start out by saying, first of all, this was started. It was trying to trend on Twitter from the QAnon folks uh, a while ago, and it didn't pick up steam. It ended up picking up steam from the same person that tried to get it trending on Twitter, put it on the R Conspiracy board on uh, Reddit. And that's where it ended up taking off, saying that these cabinets that are named after women are priced at $15,000 or whatever. Okay, so, so there's a the- few... The situation as it stands is that there are various cabinets. They're basically just like filing cabinets or some kind of cabinets that are being posted on Wayfair with very similar names using the exact same pictures, but have ridiculously high prices of like $15,000, $14,000. And each right. of the cabinets have a name in front of the the sort of description, some of them which are clearly women's names. And it's not just the cabinets, although 
there's different reasons for these two things it's not just cabinets it's also they've found pillows and shower curtains and things like that that are ridiculously priced and the reason all right so first of all the cabinets uh wayfair has since taken down the listing for these cabinets because they said they their description did not correctly describe what they were they are industrial strength cabinets that are for construction sites and they were priced correctly I do want to clarify also that because uh, we we didn't say that people were thinking what's happening is that oh, right, right right we didn't actually say what's happening yet sorry that's right okay uh, people are saying that these cabinets are being used to smuggle underage girls as part of sex trafficking that they're yes. being put in these cabinets and sold via Wayfair yeah so that's there's so many reasons that's not happening, but let's break down the obvious first, which is these cabinets were priced correctly because they are industrial grade cabinets for like construction sites. So the average person doesn't isn't buying these. They took down the uh, they took down the listings anyway because they said that the description did not properly like dictate what exactly they were. As far as the uh, pillows and shower curtains go, this is actually a very common tactic of online stores. Where instead of showing that something is sold out, they will, as a placeholder, put something up on the site and put it at an absurdly high price so that no one in their right mind would buy it. Once again, clarifying that the similar thing is happening with pillows and shower cases where the same image is being used in multiple listings with different names. So if you look on places like Amazon, they do the exact same thing. These, These are just placeholders. Um, okay, breaking it down a little bit further, they are then saying that they're finding the names that are attached to the the Wayfair products as the same as some missing children. There's a couple of different things there. One, one is that a lot of them are very common names. So like, yeah, you're going to find someone who went missing with that name. The second is all of these missing children that they ended up actually coming up with. Almost all of them had been found, either dead or alive. They had been found already, like, years ago. So, like, no. If you'll look at what, like, Ikea does the same thing. They just happen to be Swedish names where everything is just named after something. And, like, all these online shops do it. It's supposed to, like, make it more personalized to you. It's stupid. It's whatever. But it has nothing to do with child sex trafficking. To the credit of people who, like, heard this theory and thought that it held weight, there is a practice when it comes to selling online goods that are illegal where you advertise something else with... And and in the description or in the image or something, you hide information so that someone who knows what they're looking for can see what is actually being sold. The premise of that being that this is specifically, it's like code selling for people who know what they're looking for. So using a woman's name in a cabinet to indicate like, I'm not actually selling this cabinet could hypothetically be a code that somebody chose. However, the idea that these people are then being sold and shipped inside the cabinets. Like, there are was you only actually... a few people that actually believed that, though. Everyone to be fair. I said, everyone I saw was talking okay. about how, like, there was somebody on Reddit who I don't know if they actually worked for Wayfair, but they said they worked for Wayfair. But yeah. it's one of those things where you, I'm pretty sure that they're just kind of stoking the th- the flames. Oh, absolutely, is saying like, you know, I worked for Wayfair and we get those kind of cabinets in all the time, and they never let us check them. And I'm like. That's not actually how that in a real life sex trafficking, human trafficking situation, you're not actually getting the cabinet. That's not actually what they would be sending you. You don't get a free cabinet with your sex slave. Yeah. 
And also that code, those codes are known by law enforcement and they're actually, not just law enforcement actually, because I'll, uh, weirdly related to our topic on the podcast, there will come a point when I'll kind of talk about the, the sex trafficking code names because it's actually on places like Craigslist and Backpage that you need to look out for that stuff. Yeah. Uh, not Wayfair and Amazon. And the reason for that is because, holy shit, that would be easy to track down. And like, uh, when we were so ta- fucking easy. And when we were talking about it earlier, Chelsea made the excellent point that these are publicly traded companies. Yeah. They are, they are companies that have like stockholders and board members to, you know, answer to. And they don't want to have that kind of scandal running through in the open. Not only that, but it would be very easy for the federal government to get access to records in order to stop this if this was actually a thing that was happening. It's not, but if it was, there's also a whole thing where it's like if you Google the SKU numbers um, and you add, fuck, you add a series of letters before it, you get pictures of children that has nothing to do with the numbers and has everything to do with the series of letters that you add before it. And it's all connected to a Russian site. That, yeah, might be linked to child sex trafficking, but it has nothing to do with Wayfair. The moral of this story is Wayfair is not trafficking human beings inside of their cabinets. Yeah, that's the that's the basic moral of the story. Wayfair is not trafficking children, guys. It's that's not what we need to be focused like they're like the thing is. And some people I was like fair um, because they're like they're pointing their fingers at Wayfair because Wayfair also uh, furnished the child detention centers at the border where thousands of people are going missing yeah part of the conspiracy was that children who were incarcerated in these basically internment camps at the u.s border are then being sold into sex slavery is the part of the conspiracy theory that's the only line of thought that i'm like fair those children i they need to be found it has nothing to do with wayfair though wayfair still sucks for doing that for for furnishing those detention centers Going after Wayfair is not going to find those children, so please um, stop, because put your energy towards something that's actually useful. This is just Pizzagate all over again. Yeah, it basically is. Someone's going to someone's gonna end up at a Wayfair warehouse with a gun, and it's not going to end well. At Sean so please ha- stop. At Sean Hades says, re-episode 164, apparently you'd mentioned a Twitter user with a long pro-mask thread. Do you remember? Yes. Uh, I'd have to find it. Fuck. Yeah, it wasn't a pro. It was. It may, she, I think she also did a pro mask one, but it wasn't a pro mask thread. It was. Uh, it was basically calling out toxic masculinity. Uh, but and she did it in like January, February. It was actually against gun control or, or for gun control, but is now being attributed to also relevant for uh, wearing a mask in public. I'll see if I can find it. Okay. We also have Artsy Cat thirteen again who was the user who was having trouble getting our podcast on the Google Play app. And, and we has, have a, an answer. And we have an answer. Why. Switching over to Google's new Google Podcast app solves the problem. Apparently, podcasts are not really being catered to on Google Play anymore. They want you to use Google Podcasts. They so. should have some kind of notification that pops up on the app to I've explain s- that. They, they should. I've seen advertisements for Google Podcasts, but I haven't seen like anybody yeah they should have like a little pop-up it's like i see you're trying it's like clippy from microsoft being like i see you're trying to listen to a podcast have you tried this app instead yeah tanagona finished their plague doctor last week their embroidery of a plague doctor and it looks absolutely excellent 
It looks very nice. East of the Fox says in response to today's episode, which was about uh, Genghis Khan's tomb, if someone stupidly does open the tomb, this year is not the year to do it. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. At Little Miss Redma once again uh, champions the idea of a crossover between us and Knowledge Fight, which there may be an update on that soon. At Dr. Sylvie Kilgallen says there is a conspiracy theory that nuclear weapons are a hoax. I wish. So that's definitely something that we're going to look into. Thank you, Sylvie. God, I wish. At Fauna Prince sends us an excellent photo of their cat. Good boy. Dr. Sylvie Kilgallen also says the latest COVID conspiracy they've come across. It's all part of a plan to move to a cashless society. And then there was also that conspiracy that people were coming to your house to, like, offer you a mask and help you try on the mask and it would have yeah. chloroform on it or something so that people we would covered, pass out. We covered that on one of the early Bummersville Sometimes segments. So if you want to go back to the start of uh, the start of quarantine, I covered it at some point. But, yeah, it's not it's not true. A lot of people asking us to navigate the Wayfair scandal once again. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people mentioning that. At Dark Flutterbee, sending us a great picture of their cat. Thank you very much. Thank you. And at East of the Fox with a suggestion to look into Jonathan, the Impaler Sharky from Tampa. Florida, what the fuck? He Apparently tried to be, he the, tried first to be the first vampire, vampire president. president. Love it. You, you had an unfortunate incident in, in your stream last week. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about what happened... Not now. I'm still very, I'm still very raw. We're not going to talk loss. about how your horse burned to death. No. Why did you bring it up? Because <laughs> someone made a fucking Sarah McLaughlin themed <laughs> tribute to it. So we have a stream, a Twitch stream that we do. Uh, Chelsea bakes, Mal plays video games. I specifically play Red Dead Redemption 2. And on the most recent episode of Colts, Cryptids, and Cowboys which at the time of this coming out will not be the most recent uh, episode, but episode no. five, I accidentally rode my horse through a fire and she burned to death. And so my beloved horse, Corn and Beans, is gone. Uh, and our lovely our lovely Discord member and listener, Jesus, made a Sarah McLaughlin Arms of an Angel tribute video to Corn and Beans, my horse. Excellent. Which was delightful and does soothe the soothe the hurt in my heart a little bit. Going on to emails, shout out to Susie Loops for sending us an adorable picture of their cats. One of which is wearing the cone of shame for some reason. <laughs> Shadow is oh, always... Oh, a skin spot he was overcleaning. Okay. Yeah. From anxiety. Yes. That's a little, little Shadow. And then there's another... I love that your kitties are named Shadow and Sunshine. That's very cute. Amazing. We also got an email from Amber. Thank you very much furbies. for reaching out. And so many little fur babies. I love them all. Yes. Thank you for sending us your your pets, Amber. That was very sweet. We have uh, more people sending us. Uh, Aaron sent us more information about Bolsonaro getting yep. COVID, which is mwah. We have Fiona, who sent us a recommendation about a cryptid called the Mongolian Deathworm, which... I, yes, I've heard of that, and it's very funny. They also want to know if we can give them our home address for Tim Tams, and I'm tempted. That's on you, my friend. If you want to send Fiona, I mean, like, I trust Fiona. Yeah. It's up to you. Anyway, we have from Allison, 
some excellent fur babies, and also they wrote an Indiana Jones teaser script. An Indiana, or, like reverse Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. So excellent. I haven't read it yet, but very excellent. And then a possible I, topic about a Finnish soldier who went on two to three week rampage after getting separated from his unit and taking too many of the emergency amphetamines. I've heard of that one. Yes, because he was. He was, uh, this guy was like the, the medic, so he had all of them on his person, yeah. and he got separated. Oh, God, I love that story. So, yes, feel, um, thank you, Allison. That's a good one. Yes. We also have Peter, our correspondent from the international pages of the Bummersville <laughs> Daily Y, who sent us several corrections and just sort of supplementary information about Mongolia. Very cool. It was interesting listen well first hi ladies ghost of mal and the all bummersville attorneys it was interesting listening to the most recent episode while walking to the grocery store since the path takes me through the song dynasty city wall which singly failed to keep the mongols out of the one-time capital picture attached and it's very cool it's very pretty genghis khan's son kubli was of was of course best known for his pleasure dome read some poetry you filthy animals uh, which I, I know of the Pleasure Dome that uh, that you speak of. It was apparently very fancy. Fancy. It was a fancy Pleasure Dome, as you would assume from the name. Right. Inner Mongolia is an autonomous region, which means that legally the provincial chairman, who must legally be an ethnic minority, in this case Mongolian, has greater discretion in setting economic policy than the typical regional government. Although in practice, the real power is in the hands of the Communist Party Regional Committee Chairman, who is usually Han Chinese and from a different area of China. Sort of what I said last week a little bit about how it's an autonomous region, mostly economically, as far as its economic policies are. But you were asking. Yes. I'm sorry. There was something funny. Oh, I sent it to you. Um, totally unrelated to our like it wasn't from our podcast. I found it on Reddit on a Today I Learned. Which was that Mongolia has a navy that yes. is just seven guys in a boat on a lake. So and that, most of them don't know how to swim. That's not the official navy. No. It's like a private navy that goes back generations. Yeah. But I still found it amazing. It was very it was very humorous, yes. Mongolia because- does not have an official navy. Uh, their naval units are part of their military operation. They're not separate. That's why. Because also Mongolia is landlocked. Yes. So there's that Just, too. They're on a lake. They're, they do have units on a lake that borders, I think, Russia. and that. They have, yeah, because there's several lakes that border surrounding countries. So their Navy yeah. patrols those spaces. Yeah. Um, but last week you were asking, Chelsea, kind of what makes an, the autonomous region of Inner Mongolia different from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And Peter says, by comparison, Hong Kong is a special administrative region, which has a greater, which has greater control for now over its own affairs. We should specify that the Hong Kong protests over China attempting to basically annex it back into China are still happening. Yes, uh, I believe they have their second day of voting today. Oh, I think. Or maybe yesterday because time time zones. I'm not really sure how it works at the time of this recording. Yeah. And it also has it also has a separate legal code. In practical terms, the difference is that if you travel from Beijing to Ordos in Inner Mongolia, you board a domestic flight. If you fly from Beijing to Hong Kong, your flight departs from the international departures and domestic departures to Hong Kong, Macau, and Taiwan terminal, and you have to go through passport control at both ends. That's so much. Yours from the international pages, Peter. 
Peter also sends us a video that I haven't watched yet, which is Utah group organizes flash mobs at grocery store to oppose face masks. Yeah, I watched the video. It's so stupid because it's basically people who bum rush various like grocery stores while not wearing masks. It's a coordinated group of people who try to just flood grocery stores that restrict customers here's the thing though in the interview the newscaster's like we reached out to the organizer of this group and asked how they feel about a store's rights as a private company to cater to the customers that it allows inside yeah and the group supports the store's rights to deny service to people yet they are not abiding by a store's criteria for entry they only abide by a store's uh, right to not cater to people when that person is gay. Or black. Or black, yeah. Not not when it's about wearing face masks. Yeah. Because wearing face masks has become political because we are really fucking stupid as a country. Well, that is all for our correspondence and corrections. So after a brief sponsor break, we'll get into Chelsea's story. Yep. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, guys, if you're in the United States, the virus is uh, getting worse. If you're in several countries, including the United States, Brazil and Sweden, but also and just Russia and Russia, a lot of places. You know what actually is great right now? I know the perfect store that even international shippers yep. can get masks from. Chainstitchcreative.bigcartel.com sells some truly excellent machine washable face masks. Our friend Kristen hand sews these masks. She actually has a back. We haven't really talked about this in previous ads. She works for a company that makes medical grades like textiles and supplies yeah. and has a background with testing to make sure that these masks actually, you know, block a large number of particulates coming out of your mouth. She also so, her mother is in the medical industry and she ma- she was originally making these masks for her mom and her mom's co-workers. So with that wonderful pedigree in mind, you should feel confident going to chainstitchcreative.bigcartel.com and getting yourself a cute fabric, machine washable, reusable mask that even has a little pocket for a filter if you want to put one in there. Yeah. And you can get some money off of your order by using our promo code, which is C19podcast. That's lowercase, the letter C, 19podcast, and get 20% off your order. So one more time, go to chainstitchcreative.bigcartel.com and use the promo code C19podcast for 20% off and make sure to tell Kristen hi as you're checking out. And if you are a listener of this podcast, which if you're listening to this, you are, there might be something special for you How are they not a listener of this podcast? There might be something special for you on her site soon. We'll see. We'll see. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, my name is Mal, and uh, I just wanted to go ahead and catch in with you guys and let you know I really appreciate you listening to this episode. Wanted to give a slight warning. As the episode goes on, we want to let you know there's a couple topics that will be discussed that for some people might be a little bit of, might need a little bit of a warning. So we just wanted to do that due diligence to you and let you know. Today's topic for the podcast has a lot to do with uh, criminal law. It has a lot to do with police and how generally unhelpful they can be. It also has a lot to do with, as I said, breaking of the law, such as sex, sex trafficking, violence, especially violence towards women, as an example. Uh, arson comes up, straight-up murder, things of that nature. So definitely a very heavily invested topic today, but also we just wanted to make sure you know what you're getting into before you continue the episode. With that, I'm going to go ahead and go back to editing this episode, and hey, thanks for stopping on by. All right, Chelsea. Okay. You got something for me. I, I do. Before I talked last you... week. Before you start, there is a fear in my body as you're I, I don't I don't know what you're talking about, but I have nope. a fear in my body that it's what I'm planning on talking about next week. Oh, just I hope because not. I, I hope doubt not. it. OK, we'll find out because I, I had something that I was planning on doing next week and kind of just based on the vague clues that you offhandedly mentioned. I'm like, oh, no, is it the same thing? So it's uh, I got the idea. I was actually I've, I'm going on a documentary binge right now and I'm mm-hmm. watching documentaries and docuseries on like Netflix and HBO and Hulu. Yeah. yeah. And I was watching one last week. I, I mentioned this on the last podcast and I was like, hey, this might be a good podcast topic. So there's a theme on this podcast where we will sometimes talk about cults or organizations that are cult like try to create their own paradise. For one reason or another, ranging from the leader of said group basically declaring themselves as God to others that fizzled because they were trying to declare themselves leader of an island that was already owned by a completely different government, they can pretty much all be down to user error, meaning that the people involved are the reason for the failure. But that doesn't mean that attempting to live off the grid is an inherently foolish effort or that the reason all these communities fail is because of the people who live in them. Sometimes it's a combination of outsiders moving in and the federal government declaring war on its own citizens. Today, I want to tell you about the Emerald Triangle, where a majority of weed in the United States has grown and how the war on drugs decimated a community and led to a place that is literally referred to as Murder Mountain. Jesus Christ. Okay, okay. So this is not what I was going to talk about. That's good. I didn't think so. And yeah, no, you have mentioned that that you want to talk about this before. So great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. So the Emerald Triangle consists of four counties in Northern Cal... I said four. It's three. It's a triangle. It's three. I don't know why I wrote four. (laughs) A four-sided triangle. The Emerald Triangle consists of three counties in Northern California, Humboldt, Trinity, and Mendocino. However, the location of Murder Mountain and the majority of the stories in the about the weed industry in California are located in Humboldt County. So that's where all of my research is focused on. Before we get started on how the county is going today... We first have to start with the history of the region. Before weed, Humboldt had a thriving fishing and logging industry. For those of you that don't know about the super diverse number of climates we have in California, Humboldt, which borders the ocean and is like four hours north of San Francisco, 
It's surrounded by old growth forests with large rivers that empty into the Pacific and is a large spot for salmon. And it's also where there's just a fuck ton of redwood trees. Just there redwood are... trees as far as the eye can see. They literally refer to it as the redwood curtain. My mom uh, went to Humboldt University for forestry when she first went to college. That makes sense. Yeah. For, yeah. Uh, forestry is a bit, is a very popular major at Humboldt. Uh, we played rugby in Humboldt County. Those girls don't fuck around. No, I, I would was, imagine uh, not. I was dragged across the field while trying to take one down very stupidly. <laughs> I am tiny. This girl was not. Your your conf- <laughs> your overconfidence worked against you in that moment. My overconfidence, yeah. my hubris failed me on that day. <laughs> but they were really chill to, to party with. There was lots of weed, unsurprisingly. Uh, as, unsurprisingly, based on just <laughs> what you've said so far. Yeah. So it's surrounded by old growth forests. The specific microclimate of Humboldt consists of a very rainy winter with hot summers with cool nights. Which is perfect for growing pot plants. They actually describe Humboldt County as the Napa Valley of weed because of because of the climate. What a phrase. Yeah. Which is interesting because actually if you watch Murder Mountain, which is the name of the docuseries that's on Netflix, it's very good. Absolutely recommend. The sheriffs and the law enforcement that they interview are like, there's nothing special about the climate here. Whereas all of the growers, like on all of these articles that I that I was reading, were like, no, there super is. <laughs> No, the like, climate's perfect for weed. Yeah, it, there, there super is. It's also real great for hiding. Like they're saying that's the reason why weed is so prominent in Humboldt because you can hide real well. But they're also like, yeah, it, it's also just real good, real good climate. <laughs> so in the 1960s, the Berkeley and Haight-Ashbury hippies became disenfranchised by the movement in large cities and decided to move north where the logging industry had cleared space for people to buy land for cheap to farm for themselves with rich soil. Like, Super fucking cheap. This guy was saying he got uh, 44 acres of land for like $1,000. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like super fucking cheap land up in Humboldt County in the 1960s, 70s. Yeah, I was I was also about to say like it was the 60s and 70s, though. Yeah, there was also a lot of Vietnam veterans coming back from the war and deciding to end up in Humboldt County because it was quiet. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind when I talk ta- ta- talking about uh, what happened later. So... The early residents only grew crops from themselves and their community and only grew what they considered to be essential, which to them included pot. Like pot to them was an essential thing that needed to be grown. Having known people who smoke pot, that doesn't surprise me. Like not to rag on people who smoke pot too much, but there are people who think that that's a personality. Yeah, yeah. But the people who they interviewed for the docuseries... Uh, If you want to just watch specific parts, because a lot of it is about this murder that happened specifically, which I'll get into a little bit later. Episode two talks a lot about the history of the area, and they talk to a lot of what are called OGs, which are original growers who were the ones that moved to the area in the 60s and 70s. And they see that it was it wasn't about pot. That was just like that pot just also happened to be involved. There's also a lot of photos of them gardening and building homes naked. All right. And when when asked why, the guy that was one of the OGs said, uh, because we could. Just, you know, so reason. why not? Yeah. And the plants they cultivated weren't very good. The seeds were from plants in Mexico and they didn't grow very well, nor is the crop as good as possibly what our generation is more used to today. Mm-hmm. However, 
The group was able to figure out better ways of growing, like using light deprivation to cause plants to bud early. There was also talk of how if you separate the female plants from the male plants, they their their bud ends up being more fragrant. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that they're talking about. Uh, I don't grow pot, so a lot of it didn't make sense to me. So <laughs> my family does, though, so they would probably know exactly what they're talking about. However, they also heard that an amazing strain could be gotten if someone was willing to commit a little bit of international crime. Just a little bit. Just, Just a little bit. A little bit of international on, crime. And in the same vein where like Napa County is on the same, is it longitude as France? It's longitude. Latitude is... Latitude, latitude yeah. is horizontal. Longitude yeah. is vertical. It's on the same longitude as France. And that's you why mean growing latitude. grapes there no, is you amazing. Mean, you mean latitude. I mean, like, God damn it. Latitude. <laughs> it's on the same latitude as, as uh, the best grape growing in France. Uh, Napa Valley is. Humboldt County is on the same latitude. latitude. Think of them as latitude like a ladder. Okay. Like the rungs of a ladder. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I'm like, ladders go up. Um, yeah. Like the ru- latitude <laughs> is like the, lung- the rungs of a ladder. Okay. Anyway, it's on the same latitude as where indica was grown in Pakistan. So one of the OGs, and he's actually interviewed on the on the show, went on a plane to Pakistan where he said it was kind of dicey because there were just Pakistani soldiers every like 10 feet. The way they were able to smuggle back one kilo of seeds from Pakistan is they actually sewed the seeds into the seams of purses and hats and handbags and shipped it off to Humboldt County. All right. And that is how we got Indica in the United States. So it's like, that's, that's kind of how like people smuggle like, I'm thinking way back to like episode seven, fraud and vandalism, like smuggling yeah. the the freaking the royal jewels or whatever, yeah. the the Im- imported gems or whatever into your clothes to get them out. So now weed production was not only including those in the community, but it was also expanding to be sold to help fund the community. And the cash influx was pretty big. Like mm-hmm. they went from a pound of their Mexican weed being able to be sold for $300 to a pound of this new indica being sold for $800, $1,000, $1,500, $1,600. Jesus Christ. So the cash influx was able to fund schools, a public radio, and several other community projects, including health clinics, including community theater. Like it literally, instead of paying taxes, they funded everything themselves. Mm-hmm. They funded everything. Parks. Nonprofit organizations, they they were able to essentially live off the grid since they already grew their own food. And in a way, the community was the libertarian paradise that so many others tried and failed to establish in the past. Something we talked about in episode 141, a man chooses poorly. However, what made this different is that people actually cared about each other and paid to help children go to school and keep the community afloat. They They talked about it as like a voluntary tax. Mm-hmm. Because they weren't paying taxes to the state, the local, or the federal government. So instead, they, part of their crop harvest would just go for paying for these things for the community. Okay. Voluntarily. So, right. So they're they're choosing to like invest in the community around themselves as opposed to, because it's technically, it, at the time, an illegal trade, instead of paying taxes to the government for that, even though the government yeah. sometimes doesn't do that. Yeah. So libertarian in a fuck the government sense but not a also fuck you sense right (laughs) so yeah and for the for a while the community was able to sustain itself off the grid just fine 
But everything changed when the federal government decided weed was the real enemy. I straight up thought you were going to say when the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> I was so convinced for half a moment. Like, I had my mouth open, ready. Because you, you even start, everything changed when the, f- and I was like, oh. <laughs> Twist. Oh? When the Fire Nation attacked and they burnt the weed crops down and everybody got I mean, real did. baked so fast. <laughs> in 19... Okay, but when Nixon attacked, actually. When Nixon attacked. Well, Nixon and Reagan. In yeah. 1971, President Nixon declared that drug abuse was, quote, public enemy number one. We're on drugs. Yep. And a move that was lo- now known was largely racially and politically motivated. The entirety of the war on drugs will be its own podcast topic in the future. I actually started saving tabs already about that topic. <laughs> so we don't want to get into it too heavily here because it's it long. It's it very long. long. It's very long. But the ramifications of that declaration are what turned the Humboldt Mountains into a thriving off the grid or com- what turned the Humboldt Mountains from a thriving off the grid community into a murder and crime infested spot that it is still today. What which may surprise you because you're like, "Wait, we legalized weed in, ni- in 2016." It's like, "Ah, Ah, but, uh, yeah, there's other problems now. Yeah, I mean, I can already, just based on the continuation story of the part one of, hey, my mom went to university in Humboldt for forestry. Yeah. Why doesn't she work in forestry then? Well, the part two of that story has to do with what was going on at Humboldt. When did she go to school? The early 70s. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It got worse after she left school, let me tell you. No, yeah, and you know what? I can see why. While Nixon established the DEA in 1973, it was was President Reagan's expansion and implementation of the Campaign Against Marijuana Planting, also known as CAMP, that systematically destroyed Northern California. In his first term, Reagan signed the Comprehensive Crime Control Act of 1984, which expanded penalties towards possession of cannabis, established a federal system of mandatory minimum sentences, and established procedures for civil asset forfeiture. So... Again, this was also racially and politically motivated, and this act being signed is what led to just a fuck ton of black and brown people getting incarcerated and still being incarcerated today, especially that minimum sentence bullshit. But it also really fucked up the Emerald Triangle and Humboldt County in specific in specificity. I can talk. I can super talk. Can you? Yes. From 1980 to 1984, the federal annual budget of the FBI's drug enforcement units went from $8 million to $95 million. Gee. Uh, yeah, well, think that's of, so uh, much more. Think of, think of what that money could have done. That's so Remember much more Remember how money. Nixon also decided to close all of the mental health clinics? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where the money went. There's other... He just sucks. Anyway... CAMP has the distinction of being the largest law enforcement task force in the United States, with 110 different agencies actively or historically involved. Suddenly, the residents of Humboldt were being arrested and their land seized by officers flying helicopters that were unmarked and descending, wearing full tactical gear. Residents of Humboldt said they were terrorized, and the kids that grew up in that time remember distinctly at times in their homes when they were forced to leave as quickly as possible so their parents wouldn't be arrested. There was one account that I read where this guy was like, yeah, I remember... My dad just like busting in and being like, everyone get in the fucking rig and driving away while the helicopters were overhead only to come back with uh, their plants all destroyed and their house completely ransacked. And these were warrantless searches, by the way. Gee, yeah. Which uh, Fourth Fourth Amendment, you know. Or no, yeah. Fourth Amendment is quarters, isn't it? 
Which one's the unlawful search and seizure? Is that Fourth Amendment? I'm not sure, actually. I don't think it's Fourth, but it's one of those amendments. And the thing is, not everyone in Humboldt County was a grower. Granted, a lot of them were. Oh, it is the Fourth Amendment. Okay. It is the Fourth Amendment. Yeah, I was right. Ha ha. Granted, a lot of people in Humboldt County were growers. And the children growing up at the time were like, they, they couldn't fathom growing weed being like something a bad person did because of course their parents did it their friends parents did it everyone's family did it like it yeah, was like just it, everyone did it yeah it was just something that happened and it was something that helped fund the community one of the uh, second generation growers that i'll quote a little bit later actually says that one of the things that they did again to help the community even after these raids were starting a lot of the community would still have plots that were separate from their main crop that were literally just set up with whatever is sold from that specific plot goes straight back into the community fund that's nice yes so they were still trying to fund their health clinics their schools everything with this voluntary tax Mm -hmm. so there was still this sense of community in humboldt uh but you can imagine the helicopters flying overhead remember when i mentioned that a lot of uh, vietnam veterans ended up moving to the area is there is there some ptsd happening yeah, they were terrorizing the residents of Humboldt. Yeah. And a lot of these residents were veterans with PTSD that wanted to come here because it was so quiet. So there were a lot of protests going on saying, like, stop illegally for uh, seizing our stuff. Stop terrorizing our community. Parents would throw their children into trucks and drive away only to come back with a completely ransacked home and all plants pulled up and destroyed. Children grew up knowing that when that stuff like that happened, Christmas was canceled. Mm. Yeah. So children who grew up in that time had a very conflicted relationship with law enforcement. Wendy Kornberg, who was a second generation farmer in the area, meaning that her parents also grew, said that one of her earliest memories was of a cop in a helicopter hovering over her house and giving her and her mom the middle finger. Quote, that was the mentality. You damn hippies need to go somewhere else and do something else. The residents accused the state and federal government of terrorizing the small community. And in fact, there was a even more recent one where this woman and her husband live in Humble and are growers. And I'll get a little bit about them later but she says she has a specific memory of like her being super pregnant and grabbing her already born children and hiding in the woods while the cops were circling overhead Jeez! so imagine growing up in that environment yeah that's like there's just like a tension that never really goes away so humboldt county doesn't super like their law enforcement Especially when the sheriff's department themselves don't have a whole lot of power because there aren't a whole lot of people living up there. Mm -hmm. But when the federal and state governments are always cracking down with unmarked helicopters with police and tactical gear, you're you're just kind of blanket like fuck law enforcement. A little bit, yeah. So soon the hippies that had inhabited the area and grown weed for years, the, the more calm and loving of the population, began to move because they thought, the trouble's no longer worth it. Mm-hmm. With the largely peaceful residents of the community moving out, others saw monetary opportunity, and those who were already comfortable being on the wrong side of the law started moving in. So you pushed the good people out, or at least the nice ones. Yeah, you pushed the nice people out, and now there's a lot of other people moving in, and we're going to get a little more into the 80s and the green rush after our Patreon break. All right. Well, I believe that we did get a suggestion for a Patreon ad. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yes, we did. You are an animal that's trying desperately to be adopted or you're trying to adopt an animal. Like you're trying desperately to get an animal adopted and you're saying all of these uh, great qualities it has and all of the qualities are tiers of the Patreon. If I remember correctly, the this uh, idea was 
family pet. This is from Takoyaki. Family pet okay. devising a plan to get their humans to get the C3 Patreon tiers. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, that well, was save, what it was. save what I said for later. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. I have to get into the mindset of like a family dog. Let me, let me. Or egg. Or <laughs> egg just wants to be left alone. Egg is diabolical. Egg, egg is diabolical. But uh, okay, okay, hold on. Let me, let me, let me make a, an animal choice here. An animal choice. I love my humans. I love my humans so much, but I wish that they would give me more treats. I hate it when they go outside and leave me alone. And I think that I would feel so much better if I had $2 Cripcore access so I could talk to other good old doggos on the internet. And my humans would help love me so much if they paid for that and they subscribed to patreon.com slash cults, cryptids, conspiracies. <sighs> it's so hard being a puppo. It's so hard being a puppo in a house with all the humans gone. I think it would be even better if they subscribed to the $5 tier so I could listen to some human voices talking when they're gone and I could have pretend like they're still, you know, around having conversations, new, interesting, funny conversations that are cut out of the main podcast. Maybe if I, you know, play the podcast more on their computer when they're not looking, because I, I am an intelligent dog and I know how computers work. That's what Trivia does. <laughs> then I can, I can convince them. Maybe, maybe if I start you know, playing more episodes of their $10 tier Power of the Paranormal, and I wag my tail real good when they do, maybe they'll subscribe to the $10 tier to get two months early access to Power of the Paranormal, where they can listen to people talk about horrible romance novels between fantasy creatures. And that's not really something I have to worry about as a ghoul puppo, because I'm not a human and nobody is trying to get me into a relationship with a vampire. But Also, you're, you're fixed. Uh, yeah, no, I responsible <laughs> pet owners and they spayed and neutered all of their pets, uh, as you should. They also uh, take me regular for vet updates and I get all my puppy vaccines. I just want to make that clear. Um, I'm just <laughs> I'm just channeling the idea of little Noki, uh, the little puppy. Oh, Noki. <laughs> little Noki. Maybe, maybe if they really love me, my humans will go and they'll subscribe to the $25 tier so they can pick a specific book they know I'd want to listen to. Maybe something that has more puppos in it. Not like as romantic lead in the book, but just mentions dogs a lot, maybe. I am a dog and I, uh, I like other dogs. I just want my humans to go to Colts, Cryptids, Conspiracies, Patreon and subscribe to all those tiers so that I won't be so lonely when they're gone. Can I you love move your head my a family. Bit? Can you move your head a little bit? Do you just want? Are you trying to see the cat behind me? Yes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Spock. trying to do. I'm trying to do a Patreon ad. I'm distracted Chelsea's, by Spock looking out the window. Chelsea's just trying to stare at my cat looking out the window. Yeah. Oh, to, oh, to be a house cat. Oh, to be a house cat sleeping on a windowsill. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Did I mention that we're in, we're on the train to Bummersville? <laughs> Patreon.com slash cold scripted conspiracies. Okay. Now we're back at it. Okay. Yes. Go to our Patreon. Anyway. All right. So last we left, last we left Humboldt County. Uh, specifically, uh, the place that the documentary and a lot of the articles that I was reading focused on is a city called Garberville, which okay. is right next to Alder Point, a.k.a. Murder Mountain. Okay, so last we left them, the camp was was coming in and fucking everyone up. And a lot of the uh, nice hippies were moving out because it just wasn't worth it anymore. And a lot of drug people were moving in, like hard drug people. So homesteads were replaced with compounds that were heavily guarded and armed and staffed by illegal workers. In the 1980s, 10 pounds of marijuana, which could be produced by eight or 10 plants in a harvest cycle, could be sold for as much as $40,000. When you're saying illegal workers, what exactly does that mean? Oh, I'll get to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, it basically means people coming up to work under the table. Oh, okay. So people who are not. Well, I mean, okay. Some of them are also international, though. I don't I don't want to be too like disparaging to people who come to America to try and take jobs and then can't legally pay taxes on that money because they're not a citizen. But I do want to say a lot of those people are underpaid for their work because people take advantage of that. I was actually very shocked because I was always told that like, oh, going up and working during the harvesting season will get like so much money. And when they were talking about it, they're like, yeah, you get one hundred and fifty a day per pound. And. Most workers only do a pound or two a day. And it's yeah. like, that's not a lot of money. A lot of, a lot of, even on like legit big, I think there's a big problem with uh, the O'Driscoll Berry Company. Like, oh, yeah. Do, there a lot of even legitimate companies really underpay their workers, a lot of their migrant workers for working on their farms. Well, and when it comes to Humboldt, it's a mix of teenagers and 20 somethings mm-hmm. and also people from other countries who also might be teenagers and 20-somethings. So Jason Gelman, who is another second-generation farmer in the area, he's the one that I was talking about where uh, his dad was like, get in the rig and go. Uh-huh. So his parents moved to Humboldt in the early 80s when he was two, and he talks about the good times growing up there, when there would be parties with residents for harvest season or when reggae on the river started, which is an annual music festival that would draw thousands into the area. He talks of the funding to the community, to the schools, to local radio stations, and to protest organizations in the area. But he also talks about the drawbacks of living in an isolated area where most people worked in a black market. Gelman lost friends to drunk driving. Two friends were murdered during pot deals gone bad. He lost friends to suicide. And then later, heroin and meth as harder drugs started infecting the area. Because when you have people moving in specifically to work in the drug trade, making the leap from one illegal drug to another is not that big. No, you're already working the black market when there is this kind of culture, not only of the fact that so many people are working in an illegal like mm-hmm. field of work, but they already have this kind of antagonistic relationship with the law, not unwarranted, but 
like there is this culture of we're not going to bring the police into this, which yes. enables some people to get away with stuff. Yeah. Weed has now been proven to not be a gateway drug to harder things for users. But for a community that was already running outside the law on one end, growing and selling was a gateway to other illicit activities, which also included human trafficking. While the first generation of growers mostly did it for themselves and their community, the second generation was more in it for the money and as a career. The money not only attracted growers, but around harvest season would attract people that were called trimigrants, seasonal workers who would cut back flowering plants for market. Humboldt has the largest number of missing person cases in all of California. Teenagers and 20-somethings get off a bus at Humboldt County to work and get fast cash, and then they are never seen again. And law enforcement doesn't do much about it because of the lack of information they're able to acquire, but also because law enforcement generally avoids the larger grow areas. Because the people that work in places like Alder Point, Murder Mountain, have their own security, and they generally are not fans of the law, and they are heavily armed. In one instant, there was a police officer from Humboldt County being interviewed, and he was saying that the first time he went up to Alder Point, after he became an officer in Humboldt County, they were actually escorted by men on dirt bikes and masks, men on dirt bikes with masks on and shotguns strapped to their back. And at first he like went to reach for his sidearm because it's like, holy fuck, these armed guys are coming up and approaching us. And his partner, who had been in the force for a while, said, no, 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 they're here to escort us. They're just the security of the people in the area. Mm-hmm. Like they had their own law as far as and, and Humboldt sheriff's department abided by it to an extent because otherwise there would be all that fucking war that the humble county sheriff's department would not win because they were there's just not enough people working too many people have guns in that area yeah uh if you don't like the sound of gunfire the second to last and last episodes of murder mountain uh definitely like be aware well just be aware because they while interviewing people who live in that area, there's gunshots happening in the background because that's just a constant sound on Alder Point. Anyway, there's always people thinking about the possibility of a serial killer, which in the 80s was actually true. But besides that, doesn't seem to hold much weight. So briefly, in 1982, Michael Bear Carson and Susan Carson, who were already on the run from the law because of their perceived involvement in the 1981 murder of their roommate in San Francisco, moved to Alder Point, where they lived and worked on a pot farm. In May of 1982, Michael shot and killed Clark Stevens, another worker on the farm, with whom he had a dispute and attempted to dispose of the body by burning it and burying it under chicken fertilizer in the woods. Because of everything about the area at the time, Stevens wasn't actually reported missing for two weeks. Jeez. And by then, the Carsons had fled. So they ended up finding the burned remains of his body at least two weeks after he had been murdered. They ended up killing at least one more person before getting apprehended in Southern California and convicted on June 12th, 1984. George was given a sentence of 50 years to life and Susan was given 75 years to life because Susan, the, the third person that they killed, she just straight up fucking murdered him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, I guess, during the course of the uh, trial, I think... Most of the blame was on her for the murder of their roommate as well. Okay. Their their whole story is actually something that we may want to talk about more in depth later because their whole thing was that the people like the third person they killed that we know of, there may have been more murders that we don't know of, uh, that Susan killed was because she said he was a witch and needed to be eradicated. There was a whole thing Ooh, where they're okay. like perceived witch hunter. They perceived themselves as like witch hunters who were eradicating the the state of evil. Okay, that's something yeah. that you need to see a psychiatrist for. Yeah, there's Yikes. a there's a whole thing there uh, that that may end up in a future podcast topic. 
I also know that in the 70s, the I-5 killer made it up to Humboldt. That's true. Yeah, I didn't actually get into that only because it's not weed related. It's not weed related. Yeah. Yeah. In February of 2018, North Coast Journal reported that 717 people per 100,000 go missing in Humboldt County every year. It's so many. It's so many. Now, when someone gives you those numbers, the people of Humboldt County want you to keep in mind that Humboldt County itself is a place where people who don't want to be found go. So some people that are missing, they want to be missing. They do not want to be found. They're intentionally missing. They're intentionally missing. A lot of those people also end up being found later. Mm -hmm. An alarming amount of people are also never seen again or seen but dead or possibly, you know, human trafficked. And there is a there's a community of both labor and sex trafficking that is happening within Humboldt County, especially Mm -hmm. to teenagers and 20 somethings who go up there who want to work on the pot farms to get some fast cash and then are again never seen from again in 1996 things in humboldt county became even more complicated when the state passed proposition 215 which exempted patients and caregivers from criminal marijuana laws this put humboldt in a gray area because with so many 215 cards posted on fences it was harder for law enforcement to determine if an operation was legal or not the limit set by the proposition, it started off at six plants. It ended up being 90. It ended up escalating to 99 plants. That was how many you were allowed to have? Lot. Yeah. Okay. Which is a lot. But while some growers were cautious, others kept pushing the amounts of plants they would grow and putting more and more plants in the black market. With the passing of Proposition 215, this started something called the Green Rush in Humboldt County. So now, not only were locals to Humboldt County growing, there were also a lot of people weirdly like bulgarian and russian immigrants coming in and starting their own growing operations interesting okay uh and with it brought a lot of crime because no longer were people no longer these people did not come in to grow for the community they were not part of the community that was like oh this plot of land that has these plants on it that all goes to the community fund they were entirely in it for monetary gains right for personal profit yeah for personal profit so Let's talk more specifically about Alder Point, Murder Mountain. If you go to Alder Point, one of the first things you'll notice is that there are just like burnt out cars piled up on the side of the road because they burnt out any kind of identifying marks on the cars. And there are no bodies in them because what happened is these cars are cars of the missing that the the growers got rid of when either they murdered them or they trafficked them. And they're just leaving the cars on the side of the road? They're just, yep, they're just there. They're piled up on the side of the road. The other problem is that because these people are not part of the community, it's really easy to, well, not anymore. And we'll get into 2016 and after. But this is between 1996 and 20, yeah, 1996 and 2016. It was really easy to come into Humboldt, start a farm and a growing operation for two years and then leave with $2 million, not cleaning up anything. So there was a lot of environmental impact that was also happening where all of these farms, all of this land was basically being completely trashed and then abandoned. If you go up to Alder Point, don't, by the way, do not go up to Alder Point. But if you do, you'll see a lot of trash on the side that hasn't been cleaned up because these people were not coming and they didn't care about the community. They only cared about making money. Mm-hmm. There's also a problem with the, you know, those rivers I talked about earlier that had all the salmon in it that would that had a fishing industry those rivers started drying up because they were diverting the water from the rivers into the growing operations oh for irrigation for irrigation and also they were clear cutting some of these redwoods in order to get more space to grow redwoods like a protected tree species though they're supposed to be 
There's right, but we've already established this is a lawless land. Right. We've already established this is completely lawless. Like they're not they don't care about what the law says is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. These are people that they will the the trimmigrants that will come if they start asking for money instead of like fucking paying them, they'll just straight up murder them to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And there are incidents that they talked about on the series where it's like it also goes the opposite direction where growers or trimmigrants will come in and decide that they aren't getting paid enough or that they want more of the profit or whatever. And they will, you know, murder the pe- the growers and end up end up to stealing everything, not j- not the land necessarily. But there was one incident, one of the men that moved there from Utah. His story was very weird. He moved there from Utah. He used to be a political consultant and then just got burned out and then now is growing weed in Humboldt County. What a what a transition. Yeah. So he ended up getting arrested for possession of bullets, for possession of ammunition. And when he came back to his growing operation, everything had been stripped. He had fired these two guys. And while he was away from the property, those two guys had come back and taken everything. Plants, grow lights, irrigation systems literally everything was gone mm-hmm. and that's not a, an uncommon occurrence to happen at alter point if you abandon your growing operation or if you are arrested or something happens and you're gone for a few days that stuff is gone someone's going to come in and steal it and there's nothing you can do about it because the cops are not going to help you because you were already you were already operating outside of the law right you're already doing something that they consider to be illegal so let's talk about a little bit about the specific topic that brought upon Murder Mountain, which is the specific topic is actually the disappearance of a man named Garrett Rodriguez, who is from Ocean Beach, California, who moved up to Humboldt for a few years to become co-partner in a growing operation and ended up murdered. Mm -hmm. So his story is that his dad he and his dad were big surfers, and his dad decided to gift him a plot of land in, in Baja, California, that was on the water that was great for surfing. And he said, I will give you this land if you raise enough money, if you earn enough money to build a small house on it. So okay. all you have to do, you have the land, all you have to do is build a house. So this guy mm-hmm. is like, okay, the faster I earn this money, the faster I can live in this like paradise where i can go surfing and i live right next to the beach right so he decides this is 2012 he decides to go to humboldt because at this point there's still the like you know forty thousand dollars for 10 pounds of weed that is coming out of humboldt county it's still considered like the best weed and it's still a black market right his dad pleads for him not to do it but he goes he's 29 years old the dad there, there isn't much he can do so garrett goes and is on the phone with his father almost every week. And then all of a sudden the calls just stopped. Mm -hmm. And this is after they interviewed his friends and family and they said he would come down and visit Ocean Beach occasionally and he would to in order to sell his product, essentially. And he would have this huge influx of cash. But the problem is, and this is a problem with any teenager or 20 something that suddenly gets a huge influx of cash, he would like spend it all in a weekend. On right. doing stupid shit. Like not exactly the best at managing friends. Not yeah, exactly the best at managing that money. Wasn't super good about it. And eventually decided that he wanted out of the business. He was going to sell his share of the farm and then use that money to finally build the house that he wanted in mm-hmm. Baja, California. When he went to approach the co-owner that he was with 
on a faithful night in 2013. The guy went in the house and said, okay, let me get that money for you. Came out with a gun and shot him in the head. Jesus. His family and friends had no idea what happened because they were telling. Because the thing is, you tell the cops, like, my son is missing. Mm-hmm. And he is added to a large pile of already missing people. There are yeah. posts in Humboldt that are just littered with those staples from staple guns because of how many flyers have been posted. Mm-hmm. However, residents of Alder Point knew what had happened to him, but the police wasn't doesn't listen to people in Alder Point. One, because generally speaking, the people in Alder Point do not fucking talk to cops. Right. Um, but two, they like the cops do not want to fucking mess with them. Because they they exist in their own law enforcement as far as mm-hmm. they're concerned. So it ended up what ended up happening is a group that has now been deemed the Alder Point Eight decided on a Thanksgiving. I think it was Thanksgiving either 2013 or 2014. They were like, you know what? We know exactly who killed him. We're gonna go and confront him. So they went to the property. They went to the farm. These these eight men. This doesn't seem like a good idea. This is how uh, this is how Alder Point does shit. This doesn't seem like a good, smart plan. I'm not saying it is. They went to the farm. They got this guy. They pistol whipped him and they shot him in the foot. And I think in one of his knees as well and basically forced him to tell them where Garrett's body was. And they threw this guy in the truck, went over to where this guy said he had buried Garrett and dug him back up. And informed law enforcement and informed law enforcement that they basically got a confession out of this guy. The problem, of course, being that the confession was like, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, coerced. Yeah, even it was though, coerced like, confession. He knew where the body was. And also it's hearsay because like a cop's not the one who's getting the confession. Like a cop or a lawyer, someone who's. Right. However, there are eight people present for the confession. Yeah, but. Those are also the same eight people who pistol whipped him. Not saying fair. he didn't deserve it. No, that's totally fair. They told the cops. And at this point, Garrett's family actually started getting really frustrated because the cops didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And there's a combination of reasons there. Now, the cops say they didn't do anything because they didn't have enough information. Alder Point residents and Garrett's family say they didn't do anything because they didn't want to mess with Alder Point. Right. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Honestly, I, I think because... However, if you're a Humboldt resident, I'm sure to you, law enforcement is fucking useless. And honestly, fair. <laughs> so unfortunately, what ended up happening is through other extrajudicial happenstances, uh, the main, the, the four main members of the Alder Point Eight ended up getting killed for other reasons. Um, I think one of them actually died of natural causes. The other three were murdered. Oh, yes. And there's a fifth guy who is actually now the only witness who will come forward to law enforcement saying he saw what happened to try and get this guy behind bars. Mm-hmm. The The series, however, ended on no real answers. So I'm not really sure what happened there. But yeah, it's really fucking depressing. This is but and the reason why Garrett Rodriguez is brought up is because this kind of thing is not uncommon. Now, the whole now the Alter Point 8 deciding, you know what, fuck this, we're going to take the law into our own hands is a little bit outside of what normally happens with people who are missing and murdered on Murder Mountain. But the circumstances surrounding Garrett being murdered aren't that uncommon. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I told you earlier, there's also a huge problem with sex trafficking. So what happens with the sex trafficking in Humboldt County is uh, let's talk about this woman named Elle Snow. 
Elle Snow says that it is her duty now. She wants to end what is something called the game. And that's what the sex trafficking industry is called up in Humboldt County. It's called, quote, the game. So what happens is that someone will approach you, a man will approach you and basically like flirt with you and be really nice to you and be like, hey, we should date. Mm-hmm. And this L and that's how L was trafficked. Uh, she saw this guy and he was flirting with her and she kept seeing him and she was like, oh, maybe it's fate. Maybe we should go out. And she ended up literally introducing this guy to her family. And then they went on vacation together. And like the first night of vacation, he comes in with heels and a skirt and says, put this on. And she's like, what? I'm on vacation. He's like, no, no, no. You're not on vacation. You are my prostitute. I am your pimp. And if you don't do what I say, I will I will hurt your 14-year-old sister. She was 19. Jesus. Yes. She did not realize that she had been marked. Like, it wasn't a coincidence that she kept seeing this guy everywhere. She had been marked in order to, like, be trafficked. And she was under the impression that she was in a relationship with this guy. Yes. He took everything from her. He took her clothes, her shoes, her keys, her phone, and eventually admitted to her that he was not who he said he was, that he was a pimp, and that, quote, this is how prostitutes are made. Uh, Her name was no longer Elle. Her name had to be Angel. And... The next thing she knew, she was being taken to a brothel in the San Francisco Bay Area for eight months. She was trafficked for eight months. She tried to escape several times. Usually her trafficker would laugh at her. There is one time where she thought she was going to die because she punched him and actually knocked one of his teeth out. Mm -hmm. And she tried to run to the bathroom to lock herself in. But he caught up with her and beat her to the point where I think he thought she killed her because she ended up passing out and waking up and he was dragging her body into the trunk of his car. I feel like this is a little bit late, but I feel like there should have been a trigger warning for, uh... Sorry. <laughs> we might want to go back, Mal, and add a, a trigger warning for... Sex trafficking. Well, we se- talked about sex trafficking in the beginning. I we said did, that- but, like, violence against women, coercive sex acts, that kind of yeah. thing. So, she did eventually get out, though, and she was able to... She was able to testify to put her pimp whatever i don't know if there's another word for it behind bars that's good that's great yes his name was david bernard anderson and he was also accused of trafficking a 16 year old girl and in 2014 l testified against him and he was sent to jail he went by the monkey or king david Mm -hmm. he was only sentenced to nine years that's gross or moniker sorry not monkey or whatever i thought i thought i said moniker maybe i just heard it i don't know yeah i think i whatever it doesn't matter During that time, Snow realized Anderson was one of the many men and women following a set of carefully laid out rules and guidelines for how to force women into prostitution. Quote, what happened to me was called the game, this monstrous beast that is the world of sex trafficking. These guys have a complete structure. They have books. They have documentaries. They have podcasts. And Elle has decided that it is now her job to try and break it down. She calls it game over. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that she and I told you we'd kind of talk about this. Uh, one of the ways that she has decided to try and take it down is actually just letting it known how they traffic women, like letting the public at large know these are the books they use. These are the terms they use. This is this is like what they do to get you trapped. Mm-hmm. And just having that information out there and having people know, like, if someone does this, if someone says this, then they're part of the quote unquote game. That actually makes it less likely for someone to come in and uh, kidnap someone and traffic them 
And Humboldt County is, again, a very common area for this to happen because there's a lot of people coming in from out of the area, from other countries, from other states that are coming in with almost nothing, that think they're going to come in and make a lot of money in the weed industry. And they're very easy targets for people to just ambush. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like the game. It's not just people like getting marked and persuaded basically to like quote unquote date someone there's also there is an incident in the documentary where a cop is at a greyhound bus station late at night or early in the morning not sure which um and there's all these kids getting off the bus and he says what happens is that they they have cash they don't have any cards or anything because humboldt county exists pretty much an entirely cash-based system Mm -hmm. and they come in and they ambush them as soon as they get off the bus and these kids are there they they don't know anyone in humble right. county they pretty much just get in the car of the first person who says hey you want to work and then they're off and there's nothing the cops do about it like they could i think they could but they don't this is all the illegal black market drug trade right now in 2016 proposition 64 passed in california it might be surprising for you to know that 60% of residents in Humboldt voted against it. Really? Yes. And I'll tell you why. Because it's they don't actually, want to give money to the government? Well, it's actually not as simple as that. Okay. Because there are a lot of farms now in Humboldt. There was the woman I told you about earlier who was pregnant with her kids hiding from the cops that were helicoptering above their house. Yes. There are people that are second generation. There's the, the man that I talked about earlier, uh, Gelman. That he's a second generation. They want to be legit. Mm-hmm. They they don't want the constant pressure from law enforcement, from outside forces. They don't. They want their kids to grow up in a stable environment. The problem is that with legalization, instead of decriminalization, which is actually what a lot of growers in California were were aiming for, is that with legalization comes regulation. Right. So, and with regulation comes a fuck ton of costs. I was actually remembering that was when they were legalizing it in 2016. That was a huge issue for a lot of dispensaries that were operating kind of under the table was that there were new regulations dispensaries would have to follow in order to be considered legal. And people were complaining about those. So and it's not just the regulations, because obviously there's environmental things that need to go into effect, because I've told you about how the environmental impact of these illegal growing operations has completely decimated the community. Mm-hmm. And it completely decimated the uh, economical, economical, ecological impact of the mountain. But the people who actually live in the community, they aren't the ones that are destroying the the ecosystem. It's the people that were coming in from Russia, from Bulgaria, from outside the uh, outside of California that were doing that. So the community people who now want to be legit, who now don't want to hide in the shadows anymore, they want to become part of a legitimate operation. They are now being forced to pay for an environmental impact survey to happen to their property. Mm -hmm. And uh, Gelman actually made like they have to make um, because there's the wet winters. They actually have to make a structure in order to gather rainwater in order to for their irrigation because they can't use the rivers Mm -hmm. because using the river is considered an illegal operation, obviously, because like they're they're literally decimating the salmon population in Humboldt County. And there's a whole fishing industry that is just like fucked because of it. Right. So they have to protect it somehow. But the cost of that, the woman that I talked about earlier, that is her and her husband with their kids are now trying to go legitimate. They had a pretty good steady growing operation for years. 
uh, and they got a lot of money. The cost of them going legitimate is about $100,000. I mean, to be fair, that doesn't seem like a lot for a a large-scale farm. They aren't that large-scale, though. Well, how do you know how much they're making like in a year, what their revenue is in a year? Didn't say, but they said that that was their entirety of their savings and that they it would have been better had they stayed in the black market, which is the problem. Right. So the problem is that I think uh, it's one in 20. No, it's less than that of the operations in Humboldt are legitimate Mm -hmm. because people don't want to get into the white market because getting into the white market, first of all. The price of weed is now way lower, which is great for the consumer, not so great for the farmers, because now the price that was added on top of pot for the longest time for just the illegality of it is no longer there. It is now legitimate. Mm -hmm. That part I'm actually okay with. I think it's like if you become legitimate and your crop price goes down because of it, that doesn't bother me as much because there's a lot of people who like need pot. In fact, the whole reason that the Proposition 214 passed in 1996 was actually because of AIDS activists who AIDS activists and cancer patients who absolutely needed weed in their life to like help them survive. I think that's fine to a certain extent because the government already subsidizes a lot of farmers for stuff that is going to be used in certain situations for food and and various other like things that are grown Mm -hmm. that are meant to be used for government needs. I feel like there should be some kind of subsidy that for marijuana that's grown for medical purposes. Like, obviously, yes. it's not like, oh, your whole crop needs to be for medical purposes. It's like, no, you're going to sell a certain amount of that to a hospital. You should have some subsidy so you don't have to close. So actually, a large part of the issues, and it's twofold, but it stems from the same problem with the fact that it is legal in California, but not legal at a federal level. Right. And one of those is, yes, that obviously these farms cannot get subsidies. So a lot of them are going out of business. The other half of that, though, is that the black market is still thriving in the area because they just don't sell in California. They sell in other states. Mm-hmm. One of the at the time this was this documentary was filmed, I believe, in 2018. It came out in 2019. The only legitimate growing happening on the mountain was from this one man who ended up getting permits and they kind of followed him in the documentary through getting the permits and through everything and also through his last illegal growing season. And at one point he fired two workers and didn't pay them because they had completely destroyed part of his crop because uh, it had it had mildew grown on it mm. because Humboldt can be a very wet area. It's so if you damp. Don't properly, yeah, it's damp. If you don't properly store the crop, then it's going to get mildew and you can't sell crop with mildew on it so it's just done so they didn't pay them and in the middle of interviewing this man they they literally threw a rock in one of their windows the men that had just been fired and this guy says this is exactly why i want to go legitimate because i don't want to deal with these people anymore Mm -hmm. by the end of the series he has gotten his permits and he's up on the mountain and he says i am the only legitimate practice on the mountain and it's actually that's where if you're watching the series you're gonna hear a lot of gunshots and he actually talks about it he's like oh that's a shotgun oh that's a nine millimeter because he says you hear that kind of stuff all the time on the mountain so you get to know what different shots are right so there's also a a city council meeting that they filmed and that they showed in the documentary that i think actually really breaks down the biggest problem with the community members of humboldt because remember 
there are still members of the Humboldt community that are outside of a lot of the black market growers that are on Murder Mountain or in a lot of other places that are from like Bulgaria or from Texas, apparently in the East Coast that have moved there just for some cash that are still giving to the community, that are still like paying their voluntary tax. Well, now with the taxes that are being implemented on them as a legitimate organization, there is actually less money going back into Humboldt County. And in fact, one of the things that bothers them is that $3 million of the tax revenue would go straight to the California Highway Patrol, which is, to them is an old nemesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of these costs are adding up. So a lot of these local farms from these from this community are no longer able to function. And it's either you go white market and basically go bankrupt or you stay on the black market, which it's now getting a lot easier. So between 1996 and 2016... It was a bit harder for Humboldt County to to determine what was an illegal grow operation and what was a medical grow operation because they had these two 14 signs posted everywhere. Now, obviously, there were still a lot of raids happening, but it it was more of a gray area that they couldn't figure out, that law Mm -hmm. enforcement could not figure out. With the implementation of Prop 64, it's now either you have a permit or you don't. Right. And they can literally- Those are like you sign up. There's like a registry of people. They know who's allowed to. So they're now flying helicopters over the area. And if they look at the map and they notice that's a greenhouse and this map says that they don't have permits, they will literally go down there and raid, which has also led to them almost raiding places or starting to raid places that are legitimate operations that the permits are going through but haven't been updated on the map yet. There Mm -hmm. is one legitimate organization, and I want to talk about them because it's a bit of good news. There are 200 local farmers in Humboldt County that have decided to band together under one one name, one brand called True Humboldt Brand. And it's so that it's not 200 different people applying for permits. They basically just come together to sell under one brand so that they can survive. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So if you would like to support the small local farmers in Humboldt County... True Humboldt brand is a great way to do that. I I am going to go looking for them because I, I use CBD stuff for my anxiety at times. But yeah, uh, they're a really good place to hook up. And their biggest concern in Humboldt County with the passing of Proposition 64 is that it was basically written pretty much to only benefit the users. And not only that, but uh, from an outsider perspective, from me, Humboldt County is like majority white, like blindingly white. Mm-hmm. And something that none of these articles and none of the documentary went into that I think is also really important is that legalization was supposed to also lead to a lot of people getting released from prison. And it has not. Yeah. A lot of black and brown men and women are still in prison for something that is now completely legal, which was supposed to be something that was not happening. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't make any sense that it's like. For instance, there is a law on the books that says that you cannot be jailed for something that was legal when you did it, even if it isn't illegal anymore. That yeah. The inverse of that law should be made that it's like you should not be kept in jail for something that is no longer illegal to do. Yes. And that was kind of another reason why they were pushing for decriminalization. And yeah. it's actually a reason why a lot of sex workers are not pushing for le- uh, legalization. They are also pushing for decriminalization. Mm-hmm. It- it's a combination of uh, jail time for people. And it's also a combination of how much say the, the government has in what you do, which is becoming a huge issue in places like Humboldt County, where all of these growers that have been there for years supporting their families and supporting the community are now going completely bankrupt, whereas the people that actually destroyed the environment 
and are murdering people out in the mountain are basically unaffected because they don't care about going legitimate. They're going to keep being black market. Yeah. So, yeah. that And so, unfortunately, the culmination of the 2016 law has not quite had the the impact that we would want and the the local farmers that have been growing for years apparently humboldt county itself is like a one billion dollar industry in the weed Mm -hmm. business which is for california now seven billion dollars is that including the black market part of it i think they estimated it would be one billion dollars if the farms went legitimate so i'm not sure i'm not really sure what the breakdown is there i don't have those numbers because of course black market we don't really know that's fair but one of the other issues is that since it's now legal, there's a lot of other places in California like Santa Barbara or San Luis Obispo that are more open that people are now getting permits to grow farms on. Because, again, while the climate in Humboldt is very good for pot, one of the main draws of growing in Humboldt County was the fact that it was out of the way and very difficult for law enforcement to get to. So mm-hmm. if it's now legal, all these bigger companies are coming in and they're able to set up shops somewhere like in Santa Barbara, where everything's out in the open, and they don't have to worry about law enforcement, they just have to have the permits. So this law, unfortunately, one of the reasons I voted for it is because I was under the impression that there was supposed to be a moratorium on big businesses coming into the state to sell so that small farms could catch up. But apparently that that hasn't and that this has been a problem since 2016 that a lot of people have been complaining about in California, where that hasn't necessarily happened. And a lot of big businesses are coming into California regardless and being mm-hmm. able to sell their product. And and we as Californians don't want that. We would like the smaller local businesses to be able to grow first, but they haven't been given that opportunity. A combination of the big business moving in anyway, fucking Silicon Valley uh, bullshit coming in and also these small farms just being priced out uh, priced into bankruptcy because right. of how much it costs to get these permits in place and there is no help for them because there is no there the federal law still says that weed is illegal so the moral of the story the takeaway from the story is that if you make something illegal then e- other illegal practices will follow the weed industry did not have to be like this. Nixon and Reagan forced it to be like this. They are the mm-hmm. reason it is like this. And the same thing, the same fucking thing happened with prohibition in the 1920s, where the mob ended up taking over the sale of alcohol. The same yeah. thing happened with weed, where the these criminals came in and not only were they selling weed, but they decided since they were already doing something illegal, they also brought meth and heroin to the area. And that has deeply impacted the area in northern california there are a lot of problems with meth and heroin in a lot of places in northern california now make it's just it's very frustrating because of course i come if you don't know you out there don't know i come from a family that is like the hippie that grows their own weed out in places uh in northern california not not humboldt north but northern california where we have our own plot of not ours it's my my uncle has his own plot of land that is fucking gorgeous and amazing. And I love going there and I miss it. And I couldn't go for Easter this year. You're, you're getting off the track, Chelsea. You're I getting know, way off the track. But so I've grown up with the knowledge that pot should be legal. And the fact that it is illegal is a detriment to the community, is a detriment to people within the state, within this country. Because not only are we getting this problem of people coming into Humboldt and starting crime there but also remember that especially in Southern California there's a problem with us funding 
not anymore as much, but for the longest time, there was a problem with us funding drug cartels in places like Mexico. Mm -hmm. Making something like this illegal that has no right to be illegal, that was only illegal because it was literally racially and politically motivated to do so, causes more harm. There is no winner in the war on drugs. The war on drugs was a complete loss all around because you didn't stop drugs from coming in. You didn't stop crime. And instead, you jailed a lot of people that should never have been jailed. You ended up destroying families for no reason. And a lot of people ended up being trafficked, either through labor or sex, and also murdered and never seen from again. And a lot of these families from the people that were murdered may never even know what happened because law enforcement just does not go up on the mountain. And that is uh, that is my tale. Well, that's an incredibly bummer takeaway. Not it, that uh, it is. Yeah. And but I feel like it is a good point that like if you take something that has a legitimate market, has legitimate use, has uh, a need that is not necessarily harmful and you make it illegal. The only thing that's going to change is that people who don't mind doing illegal things start getting in on it. And I feel like there is an argument to be made. You mentioned prohibition, but a similar thing happened with abortions. I was just thinking the same thing. I was going to say, like, it's the same thing. It's always people are always going to have a need for that or have a want for that. And the fact that it's illegal is not going to stop people. It just makes it less safe for them to fulfill that need. Yeah, because while pot was illegal and... Of course, it could be laced with something that was dangerous. Pot itself isn't dangerous, but it can be laced with something that's dangerous. And with abortion, it's just like if you make it illegal. First of all, with pot, alcohol and abortion, if you make it illegal, the rich elite of our society will always be able to get those things. No problem. Yeah. It never stopped. If you have money, it never stopped you. What happens is that you are putting the poor and middle class at high risk. Mm -hmm. That's all you're doing. And you're also causing you're causing crime rate to go up. Weed being illegal caused those murders on Alter Point. I like, feel like a, a good thing to to say, like something that describes all of those things is that they're um, well, not alcohol, but like prohibition, for instance, was a moral law. It was a morality yeah. law. Yep. Um, and it's the same thing with marijuana. It's the same thing with abortions. With a lot of these things, it's a law that's based on morality and if that is the basis for your law, that probably isn't good. The basis for your law should be based on whether or not people are coming to harm. And yeah. that's that from a philosophical sense is difficult to exactly to define. I've always thought it was stupid that like, okay, you're going to make something like weed illegal, but cigarettes are fine and yeah. like alcohol's fine. Those things actually hurt more people. And to be fair, there have been studies that proved that marijuana usage before the age of 25 can affect brain development. Oh, and yeah, absolutely. But so the same goes for alcohol. The same goes for alcohol. Same goes for cigarettes. You can get cancer and die from cigarettes. Yeah. So, like, why are those things legal? It doesn't make any sense. No. And the answer is because the reason that people wanted to ban them to begin with was a morality reason. Yes. And if you're then on this spiral of, well, if you're not going to make laws based on morality, then what about when wh- why is murder still because like, I've, I've heard this people? No, I know. But it's because I've heard this fucking argument from uh, mm-hmm. evangelicals. And it's like because that actively harms other people. Yeah. You smoking pot, you drinking alcohol. Well, actually, drinking alcohol can harm other people. It and that's why drunk driving people. is illegal. Exactly. Um, But 
you doing those things to yourself harms you only. And with pot, it really doesn't like pot does way less harm to the body than uh, than alcohol and cigarettes. But like you doing those things is only something to yourself. It would be the same thing as if you tried to morally ban like fucking fast food. Right. You're only harming yourself. Like there, you're not harming other people. There is something to be said about because there's some discourse about other what you could say harder forms of drugs, things like cocaine, things like methamphetamines, where the argument is not these things should be completely carte blanche legal. But there is argument that people say addicts should be given clean and safe access to their drugs because the fact that you're well, making yes. you're criminalizing it makes it harder. Addicts are going to try and get their fix regardless. Making it illegal just makes it more dangerous. The crime should not be using the drug. The crime should be anything that harms someone else via the use. So, like, if you get high and you rob somebody because you wanted to get money for more drugs, the the crime is the robbery. Well, and that's actually the difference between legalization and decriminalization. So, yeah. decriminalization means that those pers- that people holding or using those drugs are sent to a facility not to jail. Yeah. Whereas legalization means that anyone can sell. Right. With like a proper license. So with harder drugs, yeah, decriminalization is the goal because decriminalizing these things actually would be more helpful. And other countries that have done so have seen the rate in addiction and uh, suicide by addiction or Mm -hmm. accidental suicide by addiction drop dramatically because people are able to get help without stigma. And to clarify with that point, because Chelsea, you're making an excellent point, what I said, sort of the clarification I want to make on that, is that I still think that selling something like cocaine should be illegal. No, absolutely. Because you're selling something that actively does harm to somebody else. But again, that's the difference between decriminalization and legalization. The person selling it it is still a criminal, but the person using it is not. Exactly. Um, I'm not sure because there was a lot of people pushing for decriminalization because that also would have meant um, for the pot farmers, they couldn't be uh, prosecuted as heavily. So the Obama administration actually took a step towards decriminalization while they were in charge of the DOJ, where uh, they tried to say that they would not pursue, they would not actively pursue uh, charges against people who were just for pot. Mm hmm. Now, obviously, if you were part of those cartels that were also murdering people, that's a whole separate thing. And also, unfortunately, in 2016, uh, we got Fuckface and um, Elf Fuckface was head of the DOJ. And Elf Fuckface is uh, Sessions, who is super fucking racist. And also, I think within the first month that he was defense. No, not defense. Like, fuck, what's that? The department head of the Department of Justice. What's that title? Oh, hell if I know, my dude. Justice minister? No, no, no. I can't. uh, AG, assistant general. Uh, Within the first month, he was like, no, we're going to crack down hard on pot. And he like came out and said that he was surprised at how much the public had had backlash against him for saying that. I'm like, yeah, you fucking old ass Keebler elf. Fuck off. (laughs) Nobody actually is mad about pot anymore. No, but uh, he's still a racist asshole. All he wanted to do was uh, go in the DOJ and be a racist, and he got caught up in all this, uh, all this espionage stuff, all this treason stuff. There was something yeah. kind of backpedaling a little bit to something you said previously when you were talking about like evangelical arguments about, oh, well, then why, if we're stopping making laws about moral arguments, there is this flawed idea that morality 
cannot exist without faith for some reason. Yeah. And there is this this concept that it, it made me think recently I discovered there is a thing called uh what's it called? It's like prayer flicks or like I think it is prayer flicks. It's basically a, a Netflix style streaming service for Christian movies and television shows. What? I will send you many links. There is a three Thank part you. movie series called God's Not Dead. I know about this. You've heard about this. Yeah. In in one of the I think it was the first one. The premise of the movie is that a philosophy teacher at a university bases his entire curriculum around the concept of God, the figure of God being dead. And a very like what's the word I'm looking for? A very orthodox Christian student then is now arguing that God is not dead and he refuses to go along with the curriculum until the teacher acknowledges that. And the climax of the movie is this big debate between them about whether or not God is dead. And one of the arguments that the student makes is that ethics and morality would not exist without faith. And that is something that in the movie, obviously, goes uncontested because it's made by fundamentalist Christians. Right. In real life, that argument can be made, well, no, that's not at all true. Yeah. That morality and whatnot can, in fact, exist without faith because it shouldn't be a question of, well, what does God say is bad? It should be a question of what is hurting people. Yeah. Like, is this action that you're doing causing harm to other people? And harm can be defined in many different ways. But it's it's just, I hate morality laws is what I'm saying here. I think the guy that plays the professor is the guy who used to be Hercules on Xena. Really? Yeah. That's funny and sad. He's like super fundamentalist, right-wing, QAnon, Trumper, bullshit asshole now. That's very sad now. Yeah, him and, uh, what's his face? Jane from Firefly can all fuck off together. Yeah, Jane, if you don't know, Jane from Firefly, huge QAnon far right nutcase. I feel sort of bad saying it, but I always kind of got those vibes from him watching the show. No, I get you. Also, because I also watch Chuck and I'm like, hmm. Well, mm. thank you for that topic and thank you for that takeaway. It was a little bit of a bummer, but it does give us more to talk about, obviously. Yes. Yeah. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So, round, winding up the episode, because this is a long one. Yeah, can you read? Uh, can you read? Because my throat kind of hurts. Of course, I will read you an email, <laughs> Chelsea. Maybe just, maybe just the one. We'll find out. There's, there's one that's called wholesome content. <laughs> I had the tab open on my computer, but apparently at some point I closed it and then forgot I did that. 
So I'll bring it up on my phone. We have a email called Wholesome Content from Jason, longtime listener, multi-time caller. My, our circle of the shepherd druid. That says, hello, ladies, Mal, and desert beasts. Oh, God, it's so hot. I mean, I think he's referring to the cats. I know he is. Okay. I have returned from a family camping trip. Don't worry, no one went missing under mysterious circumstances. To bring you wholesome photos featuring some Saskatchewan's life light, light, wildlife words. Mm-hmm. Disclaimer, I am aware of the negative impact of feeding wildlife, but we couldn't help it. They were such good chunks. Such good chunks. One, we practice our animal handling proficiencies with a couple of Franklin ground squirrels. Lovely. There is a bush bunny out for a hop. There is an ermine, a kind of short, or ermine. Can't remember how it's supposed to be pronounced. I think it's ermine. Kind of short-tailed weasel enjoying a T-bone it found near some garbage cans. My son and I were able to give it pets, which is like, yeah, probably shouldn't pet wild animals, but also. I've told that story on the podcast before. (laughs) About lizard friend. Lizard friend. Listen, some some animals just are asking to be pet. And there's a cryptid of the floral variety, a prairie lily slash western red lily. My province's official flower. We found it in our hike through the sand dunes. Pretty. So thank you, Jason. This is some excellent, wholesome content indeed. I want to go camping. I do too. We could go. I mean, camping is considered a safe activity. Especially if you're out in the middle of the woods and not near anyone at all. Yeah. Yeah. We should try. Well, that one was a little short. Do Do you want me to read another one for you? Yeah, but I don't know if you want to read the next one, which is about living with Rona. I, it might be, you know, I, I mean, this this podcast is a bummer anyway. Fair. So we have a email from a listener, Amber, called Living with Big Rona. Dear Christina and Chelsea, my name is Amber. I'm 19 years old. I live near San Antonio, Texas, and I work as a cashier at Walmart. I'm writing this to share my experiences of being sick with Big Rona, or as my dad pronounces it, COVID-19. <laughs> It started at the beginning of this month, being June, when my boyfriend, my best friend, and I, who all work at the same Walmart, started feeling sick with what felt like a cold at first. We all took a pre-work assessment the company makes us take before coming in for every shift to make sure we were symptom-free, which, clearly, we had failed and were subject to quarantine with pay. That part's nice, at least. Yeah, that's good. For the first two days of feeling bad... All we had really exhibited were a constant headache, fatigue, and a slight fever that never exceeded 100 degrees. Although my best friend never had a fever at all. That would be me if I got COVID. I literally never get fevers. After feeling like this, my parents advised us all to get tested in rightful fear we had big Rona. After after denying for a few days it was Rona, living in a town that's home to 8,000 people and at the time only had 50 confirmed cases, waiting for test results... They came out positive. I'm sure all the symptoms were different for everybody, considering all three of us are 19, 21, and 25 and are in good health. I experienced slight nausea, loss of taste, and smell briefly, congestion, constant headache, fatigue, a slight fever, periodic stomach aches, and just overall feeling like death if death was a person with really bad allergies in the middle of a well-pollinated field of flowers. I know that feeling. That sucks. I am 100% sure we contracted it from work, considering all of us have done absolutely nothing but going to work and home. I'm hoping y'all can share this to help anyone out there if they're scared they have Big Rona. My best advice would be if you feel bad, even in the slightest, 
don't take any chances, get tested, social distance, and quarantine. And even if you're not feeling bad, Chelsea, wear your fucking masks even when going to the grocery store. Texans, I swear. Off topic, no- side note. I had an interaction the other day with an old man wearing a MAGA hat. He up, came up to me and said, don't forget Black Lives Matter. And since I don't like talking to customers about politics, I just nodded my head, smiled under my mask, and continued to scan their items. Then he says, white lives don't matter, but black lives matter. And then I tell you I've never wanted to scream at an old man so much in my life. Other than my father, I mean it. So in retaliation, I slapped a fuck gender roles magnet on the back of my car, a gay pride button on my work vest, and a Black Lives Matter sticker on my name tag. Fuck the patriarchy and fuck Donald Trump. That's included in the email. I just keep prompting Chelsea to say all the swears. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for your time, ladies. Thank you for that, Amber. Uh, It is good to have like a kind of firsthand account of what the symptoms are like, especially if they start out mild, because I know a lot of people will think that it's something else or maybe think it's nothing at all. So... Always be cautious. Always just get tested if you're worried. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's that's it. That is it for our podcast this week. It was a bit of a bummer. Unfortunately, I think next week's going to be a bit of a bummer too. Oh, but, dear. you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. That's just how we roll over here on Cults, Cryptids, and Conspiracies. That's why I'm the mayor of Bummersville. That's why the place Bummersville exists. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So in the meantime... Feel free to interact with us outside of the podcast sphere. We have several ways that you can contact us. The primary way, of course, being our email, where you can send us lovely stories about your experiences with anything we've talked about, or just anything you think might be fun. Feel we haven't free gotten to- a family conspiracy in a while. We haven't gotten a family conspiracy in a while. Y'all got any of those? Email them to us. Yeah. Conspiracies at gmail.com. We also have a variety of social media accounts that you can reach us at, and we'll do our best to get back to you in a timely manner, or maybe even shout you out on an episode. We have a Twitter, at C3 Podcast. We have a Facebook, facebook.com slash conspiracies. Fuck Mark Zuckerberg. We have a Twitch, twitch.tv slash 3CsProd. That's twitch.tv slash T-H-R-E-E-S-E-A-S-P-R-O-D where you can watch me cry over a horse I lost. We also have a website. Conspiracies.com. And our website contains links to everything else, so you can just remember that one, and that's all that's important. We yes. also would love it if you would rate and recommend us and review us and all of those R words on uh, our iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. That would help us yeah. a lot. It would. It would really help us a lot. Also, if you want to name a strain of pot called Scripted's Conspiracies and sell it, I would love that. That would be funny. That would be great. I would enjoy that greatly. If, if someone are... up in Humboldt wants to like name their pot strain C3, I would love you forever. That would be so freaking funny. We would shout you out on the podcast 100%. I buy that shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, know, I can't do THC, but if you had a CBD strain, I would buy that shit up. I mean, we have friends who have who like partake in the edibles and whatnot. That's true. We do. Mal once ate an edible and forgot where the kitchen was in your one bedroom he, apartment. He did do that. <laughs> it's a two bedroom. Thank you very much. Just the other one's an office in a room that in an apartment that has three rooms. He forgot which one was the kitchen. 
in an 800 square not even 800 it's less than 800 i think square feet apartment he forgot where the kitchen was oh Mal, and then he we cried about how many snacks we had Mal, we only razz you because you're not here and we miss you i would razz him even if he was here <laughs> wow because i love him that's fair <laughs> all right well i'll see you next week chelsea all right see you next week christina bye christina bye chelsea bye mal i can still hear his voice recording yeah that's recording all right you want to you want to sync now so that mal doesn't hate me yeah 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 one sec one sec one sec okay okay three two one okay Sound, shield, back, because I don't need the keyboard right now. I don't even know. I don't even know where the fuck the setting is for dark time. Dark, dark, darkness. What are you? Darkness. For what? There we go. For what? For the email, because it was white and I couldn't handle it. Okay. I changed it to black. Weak. Whatever. (laughs)